My name's Maria, and this is Sicko Podcast. I was talking to my mom yesterday, and I told her that this was the worst apocalyptic year that she had probably had ever lived through. And she was like, yeah, out of all of the apocalypses. Like, you know, <laughs> out of the, out this of the, is the worst. Out of the Cold War, <laughs> out of <laughs> all the world wars, it's like, oh yes. shit, anything can go down. Yes, okay. exactly. I feel like, man, I don't know, but I've seen a lot of these conspiracy theories um, about the royal family killing Princess Diana because she knew about like the elite children trafficking ring among all of the people in power in the world, like the European elites and the American elites that have like a trafficking ring together for children. And I saw something about like, obviously probably just fake news, but like right. someone posted something about it being all part of satanic rituals <laughs> that the rich perform. <laughs> and I was like, y'all are just tripping. Like, this is getting too out of hand. Bro, conspiracy theorists crack me up. It's like some, some of them are like real. And because like a few percentage are real, everybody feels like they could just go crazy. I say whatever. I know. I know. You know what the worst part is? Is that these things might not be so far away from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we know, we know that like there's been like cults in terms of there's many different types of cults, but there's always been like organizations of like rich elite people that do fucked up shit and it's been yeah. exposed before. And as soon as like people had some validation in terms of what they've been theorizing, like anything really like has some form of truth to it. It's just really how exaggerated it is or how exactly. accurate it is. People love gossip and telling stories. So it's only logical that they would over-exaggerate these things. But when it like comes to reality, they're not so far-fetched. <laughs> like, we all saw um, Jeffrey Epstein's documentary, and we yeah. all saw those videos yeah. of Trump hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, like mouthing, like, oh, she's hot around the corner, yeah. and it's just a room full of underage girls. And I'm like, mm, I do believe that there's an elite trafficking ring. Whether, do, whether I believe that it's part of a satanic cult, I don't know, but like... <laughs> it's like... It's it's like the whole yeah. Jeffrey Epstein thing happened and some people were like, oh shit, he's about to snitch. He's about to expose some people. And then other I people- I thought he was gonna do that. Other people were like, all right, yes, he is gonna do that, but he won't get the chance. And then as soon as his um, suicide happened, everybody was right. like, well. I was just gonna ask you whether or not you thought he had actually committed suicide. No way, no way. I feel like, like even if you don't believe in conspiracies and shit, like if you're like just an intelligent person of like common sense and you see like, just like, oh, he just happens like to commit suicide and the guard just happens to have not been there to check on him and 
the camera just happened like it's just too much it's like all right something fishy yeah. went down like well jeffrey epstein's brother um ordered to do like an autopsy and the fracture on the bone that is like in close the neck right it's like true like rough like you don't get that from just strangling yourself in a bed it's like blunt force right yeah yeah i think i, I saw that or i heard of that in um joe rogan's podcast he talked about it and oh yes i i i just had to see the whole entire documentary and it's like super rough to watch yeah and you you can tell this is a sick 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 man i watched Some freak shit i watched like the the first one or i think like the first 20 minutes of it it was at night and i was like damn this is too depressing let me but yeah. i got i'll watch this later but from what i saw it was just like crazy that just like the pattern in terms of how we got these young girls to like do stuff or violate them you'd be like i need a massage and then i guess they wouldn't fall for it as easily because like his wife or whatever was also part of it and it's just it's just weird it's just weird and it's gross super gross it's disgusting like these people really do this shit they're like hey i can get away with it like why not do I it i can't he like imagine just like just like knowing a person like that just like so you said you're gonna ask her for a massage knowing she's underage and then you just touch her inappropriately and then she cries and then you're like oh it's gonna be okay what do you want you want some money like where's the logic there like be logical though i want to know where Ghislaine maxwell is that's the wife it's did the they, wife of jeffrey did epstein they, did they cover her in the documentary yes but she wasn't interviewed and like nobody knows where she is like no social media presence nothing and she's denied all allegations against her saying that that's not true that she didn't recruit girls mm. and i mean obviously young girls would go to jeffrey epstein's house willingly if they were invited by a female yeah yeah so the like where is Ghislaine maxwell and why isn't she in jail i feel like she might she just might try to play the victim role worst case scenario go from denial yeah. to i feared for my life i only did it because you know he was a monster and she can do that because he's dead can't really defend himself and yeah, she'll probably get support from you know the elite, whatever. Cause she can't talk, she can't say shit. Otherwise, she's out of there too by suicide. Yeah. Speaking of conspiracy theories, have you um, do you know Anonymous, the hacktivist group? Obviously, yeah. everybody knows Anonymous. Yeah. yeah. So they are the ones that are not. I wouldn't say saying, but kind of like promoting this idea that the world elites are <clears throat> getting together to have like a mono regime or something like that. Something about Trump and Putin and the dictator of China, like joining together for a 
mono dictatorship of some sort. Like a like a, a big three or like kinda, yeah, kinda like that. Kinda like that. Some some fascist idea similar to that. Man. Um <laughs> You know, the crazy thing is about that theory, that's not something that I'd like this rule out. Right. Because yeah. Trump Trump admires dictators and he wants like he, he treats his administration as a dictatorship sort of. Like it reminds me of um Animal Farm. Like with I think it was Napoleon and he was just like it started off like it was very slow. It's like you you try to yeah. fire somebody. Um, like if, if you talk against me, you're fired. That's that's the form of setting that standard, and then people from the outside looking in, yeah. it's like that's like kind of crazy. It's within your power to do so, but no one has ever, you know, been that abusive with their power. So because he can, he's still in office. Yeah, but, and all of this bullshit about him trying to invoke martial law. I was like, okay, 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 okay. Calm down, Mussolini, okay? Listen. <laughs> Dude, no, you can't crazy. just like do that just because se te da la gana and like you just want to just because like that's there's crazy. a Tenth Amendment mm -hmm. and it's there for a reason. It's like this guy has never read like anything about the Constitution, like any of the amendments. It seems like he probably doesn't even understand them. Like he probably, I feel Trump reading some sort of metaphorical thing in either the Bill of Rights or the amendments or the constitution and him think, taking it as something literal. He probably, he probably thinks he's above it. Like- Definitely. Like this, his whole life has been really privileged and even through failure, he's. He's, he's managed to, you know, stay wealthy and up with the with team of power. Like, everything's literally worked out for him. Like, if you think about yeah. Trump, like, he wanted to take office or whatever. And that's when people were just, like, taking him as a joke. But it worked out for him. He just became president. He literally, f like, made a fool of us all. <laughs> I, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like I probably, I don't know. I can't, I just, yeah. In Mexico, he, we would say that nos vio la cara de pendejos. <laughs> like, what does that mean? He was already looking at our stupid faces. Yeah, he was already looking at our stupid faces before we knew they were stupid. Right, right. <laughs> Not him, probably, because I feel like he's too stupid to really grasp what's going on in the world. He was. He, he was probably definitely... quotes the Bible literally too. He was definitely, he was definitely surprised that he won, but he did. He right. worked out for him. But thank you for uh, joining the podcast. You're the second guest. Yes. Second guest that I have. I talked to David on Sunday. Uh, we had like a good conversation, and we always have some dope conversations. So I thought of you immediately. Nice. Yes. Yes. Perfect. I mean, you know that, that moving back home with your parents type shit yeah. feels weird after I've lived alone for four years. Yeah. Is, is that your room right there? Oh my God. Yes. This is, it's not my high school bedroom because I didn't live here in high school, but it's okay. all of like my old furniture. 
That's good. It's like reminiscence. Like, I remember this, I remember that. I yeah, they're mostly all bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they're not, but like, if you liked high school or, or if you peaked in high school, then that's pathetic. Yeah, high school. <laughs> High school is like, it's just a weird, it's like a weird time. It's just, it's just such like, a weird time, bro. Nobody peaks in high school. Yeah. It's, it's like a time of like self-discovery. Like if, if there's anything good that comes out of high school, if you come out with like knowing like, okay, like this is my identity or knowing yourself as a person more than average, then that's a win. That's a W. That's definitely a win. That's definitely a win. But I don't know. Um, young people are really stupid. I am still so stupid, I feel like. Um, same, same. I'm trying to... I mean... <laughs> but the difference is we're trying to, we're trying to, like, we know, like, we recognize, yo, we're, we're kind of dumb. We got to... Yeah. We got we to gotta learn this, learn how to do that. This is one of the reasons I started a podcast, because I wanted to learn how to talk again, like, just, like, have conversations with people. Right. Really just have, and be entertained, like, have a good time talking, take something from the conversation, and... <laughs> remember oh, the conversation yeah i feel like i really haven't had like a good social interaction in a while <laughs> <laughs> considering that we're all inside mm-hmm. and like engaging conversations they're they're hard it's tough how's it's... how's uh, your week been and how's your first day oh my god um my my week my week has been good. Um, I got here uh, Friday night, mm-hmm. like really late, like at 10 p.m. Um, and I took three flights to get here. To Puerto Rico, isn't it? Yeah. Right there? <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> I refuse to pass through JFK, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, oh my God. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, man. I wasn't ready for that shit. I was like, Wait, I what's wrong? Can't. What's wrong with JFK? Oh, are you kidding me? It's chaotic right now. And I assure you, there's some irresponsible people at the airport right now coughing on people and not wearing masks. Oh, okay. Because of the, the virus. So how did, what did you do? So it was Syracuse, Charlotte. Charlotte, Miami, Miami, Puerto Rico. And I got here at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And curfew is at 7 because we have a curfew. Yeah. But uh, so we had to stay the night at a hotel because I actually live from San Juan like an hour and a half away. Okay. How's your first but, day? Okay. The first day was good. Um, mm-hmm. The kids are really cute. Really, really cute. Um, they're kind of doing a little, something that I would say is maybe a little bit irrelevant in class right now. Maybe not irrelevant. Irrelevant is not the word. Um, I don't know. They're reading about St. Patrick's Day and the story of St. Patrick. Ah, uh, right. And I see how that was a cultural attempt of a reading. Hmm. Mm, but most of these kids are kids of color, so I don't, actually all of them are, so I don't know how they could relate to the reading. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it, it is like, it was a good book. It's part of a 
uh, requirement for kids to have like both fiction and nonfiction and picture books and all that stuff. And I don't know, I'm excited. I just ordered actually a book for kids. It's uh -huh. called Different. It's by Chris Singleton. Mm -hmm. um, and he has this like movement or type, mm, I don't know if it's an organization or like a brand called Love Your Neighbor. Right. And he lost his mom, I believe. I don't know if he didn't, I haven't read too much of the story, um, but he said that he created the book because he had lost his mom at a racing incident at church. And um, he just has this brand and the book is new. So he's taking pre-orders and I was like, I'll order it for the classroom. Okay, so, look at yeah. you already coming in, making your thing, talking some shit. Like, yeah, we I want to stir up things in the classroom. No, no, not like that. <laughs> but like <laughs> the other day, this is super inappropriate for the teachers to say, but it is not my statement. Okay. Okay. Um, my friend safe told me that I should raise cup, cup hater children. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is hilarious. He said, teach <laughs> him young. Teach him young. <laughs> yeah, but... That was like, wow. <laughs> that's hilarious. But yes. but to his point, it would be important to, like, not teach him to hate cops, but, like, just teach him just to understand, like, oh, yeah. things are... This this might happen. This is how you should act. And, yeah. Yeah. Just socially conscious children. Yeah. Growing up, like, I think that's the one thing that not all teachers did really just like teach about life to especially people of color because like in like communities like where the majority is people of color minorities and then you have these schools your teachers are you know either they're part of like they represent you or they don't they might be white or whatever but just having that teaching like yo you guys are people of color like this how some people look at you it sucks and this is reality so. Yeah, I in Mexico, they really didn't educate us about that ever, which is kind of ironic because there's also a huge oppression of indigenous groups and a big part of the history is killing and pillaging and looting of yeah. Native <laughs> American lands and indigenous lands. The usual. The usual, the usual suspect. Um, and they don't really like teach you about the ethnic slash racial oppressed component of it that our society has and how, for example, in Mexico, we do have a racism problem, but it stems from a problem of class, um, and an issue of, um, status very, very settled by the Spaniards, aristocrats and the bourgeois and all of those guys. And yeah. it kind of just stuck. Um, it's weird because there were a lot of mixed marriages within um, Spanish families, a lot of them forced, duh. <laughs> 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 like, oh, they got married. And I was like, willingly?
right. to a white man? <laughs> I don't know, man. Do they, Sounds fishy to me. In the in the education, do they ever like cover not only that, but like the fact that Americans stole like some of your land? They... Yes. Um, uh, like the the dispute over the territory in Texas. Mm -hmm. And not to mention that half of the United States was Mexico at some point. Yeah. <laughs> That's never really talked about or like, it's like, it's been accepted like to an extent. I'm not sure how much in Mexico, but it's, it's like not a, it's never like a pressing issue. It's always like something that's said to like discredit like the American colonists era type shit. Yeah, um, I believe that the president of Mexico that um, had the beef with the territory in Texas at the time was Santana. Mm -hmm. And there's a really funny story about <laughs> him being going to battle and losing his leg and then trying to like look for it. And he like looked for his leg and he just found a random leg and like apparently held a funeral for it. For the leg? Yeah, for his <laughs> leg. And then someone um, desecrated the grave of his leg. And over the years, people sent him like bones of other legs to like fuck with him and make fun of him. Wait, so is this real? Like he, he lost his legs in war. And then, one, one of his legs. One of his legs. And yes. So that's a fact. But was like that's the story, was that was the story like real? Or was it like made up? The fact that he buried his leg where he found a leg. Apparently is real, but with Mexican history, you never know because I gotta say, they make a lot of shit up. They, <laughs> Most <laughs> the Spaniards were really sneaky about history too. Like, right. I don't know, so man. So a lot of the history is, is taken from the Spaniards' point of view. Oh yeah, always, Every, like yeah. all the time, constantly. Yeah. I don't know. It's a big problem everywhere. I feel like people. I had a huge fight today with an individual who is the soldier of the IDF, aka a terrorist, mm. one who I shall not name. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to school with him in Mexico and. This guy is a Mexican, you know what I mean? Right. And yes, he's a white Mexican, and yes, he's a um, Mexican Jew, but that should not excuse the fact that you support a violent organization, one that you weren't born into, that you chose to join willingly. And this guy was saying that the Palestine-Israel conflict had nothing, had no like racial char racially charged ideologies and concepts and that is completely false wait wait what is the idf the idf is the israeli defense forces oh okay 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 got you got you so yes so he lived in mexico then he moved to israel and joined the idf yes wow he believed that strongly in it Yes, and he believes really in strongly and says really imperialistic things like, you know, how the IDF right now has the power to exterminate. That's the word he used. 
all Palestinians, but do not do it out of the kindness of their heart because they're letting them live there legally and have rights, which by the way is completely false because for starters, Arabs and Palestinians living in Israel have a different identity card than Israelis. So, so is, and, this, is this coming from like his Jewish uh, upbringing that he yeah I think so and he said that he used to think more that um, both sides had a lot to offer instead of one more than the other and I just outright told him you can either be on the right side of history or the wrong side of history and you my man are on the wrong side of history advocating for genocide of Arab people that were looted of their territory. And he was saying that it, it was like really bad also what they did in the American colonies. And I was like, dude, it's literally the same concept. You are taking the same things and doing them in a different part of the world. And he thinks he's righteous in it. It's, it's yes. So he thinks the IDF, he thinks the IDF, and I quote, is a humanitarian military. <laughs> Did you hear what I just, it doesn't it sound preposterous? Like, it's, it's ironic. Definitely oxygen. Bro, no agency that kills people can claim to be humanitarian. That's the biggest part. Like, yeah. once, once you realize it, like, once it's like a, a fact, hey, this is killing somebody. Like, yeah. like back with, um, with the thing that's going on now, like I was, I was just talking to my friend about it earlier with like George Floyd and like all these other killings. I was, I was telling him, I was like, it feels like common knowledge that like if I'm a cop and I see a cop like on a knee of, of anyone and I'm, I could just say confidently like, hey man, what are you doing? You know, if you, if you kill him or if they see this, catch this on camera, you're gonna, or whatever, you're gonna get fired and you're gonna get arrested. Like, if we could just say that normally, like, or if he did simply just get fired, got arrested, and anybody who didn't stop him, they had their own, like, appropriate charges. A lot of, I feel like a lot of these police brutality cases would be at least stopped to some extent, it's not stopped or like lowered or lessened. And it hasn't changed in years, like years ever. Um, we all remember Rodney King, even though we weren't born. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really what sparked it. Exactly. Like it's it's been quite some time since that and nothing has changed. And then people are complaining like violence is not the answer. And how do you fight fire, <laughs> you know? We've tried, we've tried to put it out and like, it's just not working. A lot of people do not respond the same way. And I've still seen a lot of people on the internet, like advocating for like the use of brute force to disperse protesters and to, to arrest African-Americans and people of color. And it's just like, it's so sickening at least i feel like the protests and the looting and the violence has led this to have a global platform 
mm-hmm. which in many ways, I think that's a positive outcome of this. Um, in this case, the revolution is being televised. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But, it is. It's like, yeah. it's crazy just watching everything unfold. It's like, like for me right now, like social media is like, you can't get away from it at all. And it's even outside of social media, you can't really get away from it. And for me, I've always been, like at a certain point of time in my life, I was just like numb to like these cases and things like that because I don't know, I've been doing doing a lot of like self-reflecting lately and just thinking about it. And it wasn't until uh, the Ahmad Aubrey thing, killing, um, that he was jogging, he was just jogging and he got shot point blank with a shotgun. That's that's the first time like in a long time that I was like jolted. I was like, oh, like I like sort of like came back to reality in terms of just feeling yeah. frustrated. And then um, and Breonna yeah. Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Like if we think about like why these protests are so intense, uh, it's because like this this all happened like very quickly, and. Two out of the three were were caught on cam. Like, but I think the main things that sparked this was the Ahmaud Aubrey video and the George Floyd video. Because the Breonna Taylor, that, that sort of like wasn't covered because yeah. like the George Floyd thing happened was the first thing to hit and the first thing to hit the fans. Like Ahmaud, uh, um, Breonna Taylor, uh, it would have, it probably would have also sparked it but the George Floyd thing, it's just such a crazy video. Like, It's cruel, it's cruel, it's tough to watch. It's like queasy feeling. And I was talking to one of my other friends and he was saying like, a lot of people don't understand that the difference between George Floyd and I is that they don't know him right. personally. And he's asked all of his friends and acquaintances to like think about it as if it had been him, which there's no other way to describe it. It could be anyone, anyone, absolutely anyone. And if we just like let this slide, what does it say about us letting slide what happens to other minorities? It's, it's wild. Like the fact that it can happen anywhere it took me like a while to like really feel that because like you know high school like you're in, you're in your own bubble and things like that like think everything yeah. is dramatic and whatever but it's mostly just stupid dumb shit <laughs> high school <laughs> shit <laughs> and I think I think like right right then like back like thinking like in high school that's like where as as I mentioned before like identity I was more like on what's my identity what do I identify as because like in middle school and like growing up or whatever. I dealt with like racism, but I wasn't like in a black neighborhood. Like I was in a Dominican neighborhood and things of that nature. Had a lot of more Dominican friends than black friends and whatever. So I was like, in high school, I wasn't always like forthcoming or like, this is who I am, this is where I'm from type shit because of the perspective of like Africans or whatever. And in mm-hmm. high school, I remember like the first day I saw like, Luckily, my high school was diverse, and I think that's the importance of diversity. There was like black people in my high school. There was white people. There was like Muslim people. I remember like seeing the first time like the woman with with um I forget what it's called, 
A hijab? Yeah, she had a hijab on. And we were just having a regular conversation. And she was like, you know, she was like, oh, this is where I'm from, blah, blah, blah. And she was saying it proudly. And I was like, I was like, that's, that's really what changed me. I was like, I can do it. Like, if she can do it, I can definitely do it. There's no reason. And that's like my, was my focus in high school. And in college, it was more so like, in Syracuse, like, just like seeing like some of the racism there and also seeing like all the videos that came out like during college, it was like, damn, like, if I didn't live like in New York City or like if I, or New York State and just moved out, like, I'd have to be a lot more worried than I am now all the time. Yeah. It sucks. Definitely. I think, I think for me, becoming racially conscious was definitely a process like any other ally you make mistakes bro <laughs> you make yeah. mistakes especially if you come from a very inappropriate like pol like politically incorrect environment as it mexico can be right um so i think for me my first like at least one of the first african-american no she's not african-american she's canadian um one of my first black friends was from camp mm -hmm. and I didn't like, you know, think much of it until she said, you know, a lot of people think I'm adopted because her mom's white mm -hmm. and her mom's side of the family are all white. And I actually saw her today on social media saying that it was kind of upsetting that her family was not being loud about the George Floyd, yeah. which sucks because hello, you have a family member that is black. Like you, this issue pertains to you. Mm -hmm. You have a black daughter, you know what I mean? Right. That was like some of my first like realizations of like, holy shit, like North Americans really have a really big issue with this, with this thing. Mm -hmm. um, I also kind of like went through a little r racist, um, incident when I went to Disney World when I was six years old, and I think I've told you this before. And we were at a sushi restaurant, and there was a white family sitting down, and we were gonna sit down. And the guy was like, "No, you can't stay here." And my dad was like, "Oh, why?" And um, the guy was like, "Oh, that table's reserved." My dad was like, "Ah, and there's no sign." <laughs> Uh, there was something uh, along the lines of get back to your country and uh, one of those little soy sauce plates thrown at my dad's khakis and wow. I sort of got that's the first moment in which I was like what that was damn that's so dramatic that's so dramatic it's like a switch I was just like huh this happened to my dad for no reason right you were just trying to walk in and have some sushi I know, with his family, with on a family vacation. Yeah. That by the way, it's not like a go back to your fucking country moment. Like we were gonna go back. We were just there on vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody wanna stay in motherfucking Florida. Like I'm not trying to live in Orlando for the rest of my life. Oh man, <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> I mean. For me, um, the, the first thing I remember, I don't know, I'm not gonna count like school, like like school. But that teachers. counts, that counts. It, I guess it does count, but like, like kids are like, um, yeah, actually I do have an example from school. 
Um, I don't remember how old I was. I was pretty young. But I didn't register. I didn't know what racism was at the time. So just like I just thought my teacher was just being dumb. <laughs> but I was like, we we're all like, you know, doing the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, which was like oh, religion. The Pledge of Allegiance, for God's like, sake. Religion, fucking back then, like middle school, elementary school, stand up. So I stood up for the Pledge of Allegiance, but for whatever reason, I didn't have like my hand on my heart, on on my chest, like because. You know, I, I pledge allegiance to the flag, blah, blah, blah. So I had my head down for whatever reason. I think because I saw some other kids doing it. And I was like, oh, we could do that? So I just, <laughs> <laughs> so Let me I just, try to catch a nap really right? quick. And, then, <laughs> and then, like, a teacher, like, tapped me behind my back. He was like, he was like, I don't know how it is where you come from, but in here, we respect the flag. Put your hand up. And then, so I did. And I was like, that was, that was kind of weird. I didn't know what it was. And, that was racially charged. Yeah, and then years later, remember that I was like, "Damn, that was that was racism." Racism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. The more you know, racism. <laughs> the spectrum, and then the spectrum gets bigger with colorism, which is yeah. low behold another why, problem. That's why it's systematic. It's systematic. It gets you everywhere. Yeah, bro. Just sneaks up on you, like, fucking just... (laughs) (laughs) It's tragic. I definitely, I think the most woke moment for me has been Syracuse. What was was your experience like in Syracuse? Well, you know, Trump was was winning the election, 2016. Right. so there was a lot of people upset about that and we had already know that you know that he supported white supremacist and yeah. racist and build the wall organizations and groups and there was that whole build the wall which was just god awful yeah, like and the, like the, the immigration i mean not even the camp what is it the facilities for um illegal immigrants that they had. Oh, it's like fucking kids in cages, the ice. That's so crazy. This whole, this whole, like, these four years have been one long as fuck and crazy as fuck, like. Yeah. Like, all this shit that's gonna go down in the history books. Just like, let's say 2016 to 2018. That alone is, like, crazy in terms of those, the, the cages, that was crazy. I can't believe, like, it seems like so long ago, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. And you know, I was actually also talking about this to, with another friend, and she also said that when the ice and the kids in cages thing happened, black people were some of the first people in the streets, along with along with other people of color. You know, and it is kind of unfair that I've seen other Latinx and um, white Sikans <laughs> that <laughs> are not willing to support the movement when black people were the first ones to support the movement that they were fighting and had so much pain for. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, mm, it's, we have to 
if if we stick together as a minority, we become a majority, and it's just as simple as that. That's that's like the the genius behind like racism, and like just the concept of how like intentional it was when whenever colonists conquered an area, like it was they had very simple word. We're gonna conquer this area. We're gonna give this group of people who are the majority or whatever. Or, my, or the minority, whatever. This group of people in this country, we're gonna give them privilege and power, share some of our privilege and power, and then that will make them hate each other. Like, just, just like that. Just take over, bring in hate, make it systematic, then leave. And that's, that's really the only reason why, like, uh, as a minority, like, as people of minority, we're not necessarily together, like, e either as a minority or even in your own, like, community, like as you mentioned, like white Mexicans or whatever, like just the colorism in Mexico, Mexican identity, like in Israel and fucking Iraq and all these places, like pyramid scheme and in India, it's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like the United States has invented the pyramid scheme on racism and colorism because. It's a huge network, a huge network. And I never thought it was as deep as it got until I started studying at Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, they really did that? Like since the beginning, beginning? I think the, the thing that, was, that shocked me the most was three-fifths. Yeah, yeah, they're like, all right, here's some rights, but we can't, we can't concede that we're equal, that we're all human, and it's whatever. Trump, you know, he's taking this basically like a, as a war, like back to your thing about him liking Putin and, and Kim Jong-un. He wants to be a dictator, so he's, he's doing martial law. Like instead of supporting the people, he's calling them thugs or whatever, he's choosing a side, which you shouldn't do if you have two kids and they're both fighting. You don't choose a side. It's like and we've seen the scare tactics before and in politics so many other times, even including the propaganda. Mm -hmm. It's been used by Hitler, the Bible thing, it's, and the religious book thing is been used by Evo Morales in Latin America. Mm -hmm. It's been used by every dictator in the book. Yeah. And Trump is taking this moment as a campaign moment. Every decision he's been making during these protests he is doing to gain popularity for his campaign. And disgustingly, Joe Biden is doing the same. Joe Biden was the last person I wanted like to represent the Democrats. Me too. I was, was like, now like, I have to settle for this fucking idiot. Right, like he's like the closest to the old system of what we're trying to change. Like just the impressiveness of how, oh, how diverse the Democratic uh, nominees are. And, all this shit, and then it slowly just got whiter, whiter, whiter. And then at least we had some women in there that were strong candidates. And we also had Bernie Sanders, who was like a, like a, the crowd hero, the crowds, the people's president. So out of all of those, Joe Biden was the closest to just being dumb and like being just part, Whitewashed. Of, part of the system. So I was not happy with Biden, but I was like, because in my mind, that's when I was like scared. I was like, all right, can Joe beat Trump in an election? Like, clearly? And then no, no. 
Yeah. Joe Biden is not going to be able to beat Trump, and Trump is going to have another term. And this is, this this is, is the America that we're going to have to get used to. Yeah. So. This is like this is like exactly like what I mean. Like it just works out for Trump. Like despite like everybody knows he's dumb. Everybody knows his presidency has been like a failure, pretty much. He still has a great chance of being reelected because he has some supporters that have chosen many side, supporters. Many supporters that are like we're closet racist or or just closet. I don't care about this community. I'm only gonna vote for my own self interests. That are willing to vote for Trump, and just the fact that voting became a lot harder because of the virus and just common sense became a lot harder because of the virus, like everybody's home, nobody can really act. Nobody can be like, yo, stop doing that as quick as it could before. Now he, yeah. ha he has a chance, cause like they're trying to make voting hard. So like the less votes, the less people vote, the better it is for him and the Republicans. He's not only trying to make a uh, voting hard, he says trying to make, um, he's trying to censor media, <laughs> which is just like, a literally the first thing yeah i heard about that mentioned because twitter, oh uh, twitter fact checks him and he doesn't like that <laughs> oh yes i i try to fact check trump as much as possible um because i know he says some outrageous shit and sometimes i don't believe it but it's like real mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is the worst part uh, I don't know how to feel about having another Trump term and surviving it, because that's... We're barely surviving right now. So what you said about him trying to uh, align with Putin and, and North Korea and probably take over the whole world, like, I would hate, like, it would just be so annoying, like, oh my God, am I really part of a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, annoying! Like, I could just imagine, like in Germany, just that, just that one chill dude smoking weed on his nose, like seeing some people like this just marching outside. Like, oh my God, is this? Uh, am I really German? Oh my God! Not again! Not again, you guys! Like fuck! Not again! Oh my God! Oh, also, I saw that lovely social media post about. This guy doing the the Hitler arm and getting punched like sucker punched in the face. Mm -hmm. I didn't oh, see he, that. Like swipe for a surprise, and it's like him doing the hand, and then the picture of like him with his <laughs> neck blown out. It's <laughs> like his journalist. head left his body for a minute. I remember this this photo of like the the war and Korea Korean War, and I think it was a Korean soldier just. It was like he was shooting another person. I don't know if the person was like under the side, but I think it was another Korean. And it was like the way the shot was, it captured perfectly like either as the bullet entered like the other man's brain or whatever, or as it was exiting. And then you could just see like his facial expression as he was getting shot and it was just like cut right there. Damn. And I remember seeing that photo and I was like, so this is the power of like photography and like this is why it's such like a respected art form and some like and dignified for some people or professionals but when i was talking to dave uh he mentioned that he was saying he was talking about the 
one of the agendas going out in terms of if you don't actively like support or post something or speak up in terms of via social media or I guess in general, that means you're a bad person. We have been so brainwashed in history and in like learning and school and everything about avoiding speaking for black issues if you are a white person and there's no manual on how to be a good ally and there's especially no manual on how to teach a person how to be a good ally because it doesn't exist and it's just a matter of like i guess like listening being sensitive and sometimes when you're insensitive whether it's accidentally or on purpose you apologize you know what i mean yeah i also, yeah, I also think that there's just too many voices right now like literally everybody's speaking and that's why nobody's like really listening because everybody's like i'm gonna post this and this is what i believe and if this person says something else i'm gonna get in an argument like i saw something on social media um there's this guy not gonna mention his name he was a he was a cute alum <laughs> Like, I, I met him a, a couple times. Um, I think it was class 2020. And Yes, uh, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this person who will not be named, but is definitely the same person we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I definitely want to want to have him on the podcast. I haven't invited him yet because I don't know how to, like, I don't want to seem like I'm a, I want to attack him or anything. But, no, I, he's a rational human being. Yeah. And... Yeah. He shares his opinion in a calm, respectful way. Yeah. And he even said on social media, like, I believe there's wrong things in, in this fight and right things. And right. we just got to be respectful about that. Yeah. So to, to clear Continue, it up, what, what he did was, was, was he, I think it started with a post that he did, that he said regarding to the writing and the things like that. And we all know writing is bad and looting is bad um, and things of that nature. So he was like, this is like unbelievable. Like, and he called like the people writing thugs and delinquents. And, you know, to his, to like, to be fair to him, it's like writing is bad, looting is bad, it's against the law. Like the message, it does sort of distort from the message because the media uses that to portray the message in a negative light and to get away from the message. However, I think like how he said it and how he like, did it um, left room for people to in misinterpret his point? So like he got like called out by other people in social media, and it kind of got a little hostile. It was like a little argumentative. Um, just during these times now, it's like people are like super sensitive, super upset, super angry. So anytime that you say something that's like not that is that's against what a group of people are doing out of frustration has to be said like very carefully and in yeah. a way that that doesn't make people believe you're a part of the problem it's not wrong that people are mad like it's not wrong that people are sensitive because they're mad. like you can't expect like people to be logical like i think that like the minority community is like the most understanding we're over understanding of everything we understand white people we understand listen it's not entirely your fault like just like racism is systematic it's going from years it's also systematic in your household and it's something that you have to break out from and, and sort of be strong enough to 
see for yourself that, wait a minute, my parents or my grandparents or whoever in my community, it's, it's, this is wrong and I'm gonna break out of that. And it's tough, it's tough. I experienced that with like relationships that I've had, like, like their family members weren't like as woke or in the culture as my like significant other and my love life is affected because, or it won't ever be really accepted uh, because my family views have certain political views. So it's just like, it just hurts. It's tough. It's so like complicated. Like, that's why like, we understand that like the minority community understands that so much that we'll, we've given like white people passes and we give them plenty of passes. It's, it's almost like, oh, just don't say this word right here. <laughs> you say this word right here, you're gonna lose your job, but you know, you could, you could be subtle or whatever, we'll teach you, we'll be like, wait a minute, come on, like, think this way or whatever, or this is wrong because of this, or believe what you believe, but if, if you know, this happens, at least be fair under the law that we all live and follow by. Like, if a cop kills a black person wrongfully, under the law, murder equals jail time. That's it. The yeah. is. <laughs> so you can't you can't disagree with that. Like if I ask a hundred people, hey, does murder equal jail time? Like wrongful murder, not defending yourself, or whatever. Does wrongful murder equal jail time? Yes, a hundred times out of a hundred times, regardless. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> so, I don't think there's any other way to put it. There's really, no, there's and no, it's no other rough. Way. There's so much roots in this. And I don't know if you saw the anonymous video going back to conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. but they highlighted the, that the Minneapolis police is, and the Minnesota police is actually one of the most violent in the country and responsible for most like police brutality against black people. And yeah. all of the cases, that have gone unheard of mm -hmm. and like just overlooked by media, by officials, by the government. It's not the first time that this happens. And it doesn't, the worst part is like, it do also doesn't feel like it's gonna be the last. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I like the people who are like, who focus on the negative aspect of the prospect, which is the writing and things like that. Cause I was having this argument with my one of my best friends who happens to be a cop. Um, Cause me, like we're in this group chat, we all grew up together, and we see his posts, and it's always like, like his his message that he's putting out through his posts. Is, there are more good cops than bad cops, like statistically speaking, blah blah blah. Because um, mm -hmm. his, his number is one percent of all cops in America are bad cops. So there's like 700,000 cops, 7,000 are bad cops. And he, he, he didn't really understand why the consensus, cons consensus disagrees with that, like there are more bad cops, or it seems like only bad cops are talked about. So in his message, he's like, you know, the riots are wrong, this distortion message, um, which is a fair point. And he's also like, not all bad cops are good cops, and you know, not you know we don't all believe in this which is a fair point yeah. but me and my friends like we had a debate with him a healthy debate we we're upset that what we didn't understand 
why he didn't like his his support for like the pro cop or whatever movement wasn't reciprocated the same energy for the protesters because like not all protesters are bad protesters that not everyone is looting and etc he didn't really display that message and we we're really just trying to understand that and and like for me out of all my friends in our group chat which is funniest because i'm like the only black person in that group chat because it's, it's like my friends that i grew up with they're all dominican um so that, that's why i was surprised because they're like the, besides the cop like every other person in my chat is like upset they're like on their social media it's reposting police brutality and anti-police brutality messages and that's like growth for them from my side because growing up like in high school there were moments where i had to check them and like correct them like yo that's that's racist like that's not okay to say just because i'm the only black guy in here like blah blah, blah. and for them it was a joke like it was just like, wait, wait, like, what do you mean? We're just joking. Like, we're just, yeah, it, it's in Latin, it's a big problem in Latin America. It's joking, and yeah. it's just the disgusting worst. Yeah. And and I had to explain to them like several times until like they finally click. Like, it's not a joke for me. Like, it means something a lot more than that. So to go from that to like where they are now in terms of like really understanding, showing support, even though they don't necessarily relate to it to an extent really made me happy so with i understood i mean with my friend edit that out it would just be like with <laughs> anyways as i was saying with, with, with my friend it's, it's like i understand him or why he's not doing it because that's just, I feel like they brainwash cops as soon as they come in the force. It's, it's, it's always a us against them. Them. Us against them. And them is really anyone that's, that's not a cop. It's like. And I feel like a lot of people are, are, when they say like all cops are bastards, they're saying like the institution, you know, the institution. Yeah. Um, it's an inherently racist job in America. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. It's tough. Like you, like you said before, it, racism just has a way of appearing everywhere. Yeah, it's it's most evident when like it gets off the black spotlight for a little bit. When like when people like the immigration, illegal immigration, hate is like stronger than it is like with the Trump administration or I think even I don't know even before this Trump administration with the whole green card incident like in Arizona I think it was like oh I could stop you and ask you for your green card like whenever I want like people were like nah <laughs> we're not having that that's a form <laughs> of racism you shouldn't have cops mandated to do this because yeah. it's not the cops fault even though some cops are racist and would do that either way it's, if they're protected by the law, then it's systematic. And and with like Muslims during like 9-11 and during like the whole terrorist hate, oh, see a Muslim, hey, what you doing? What you up to? Like, put that down real quick. I wanna see your face. Like, I don't care if it's part of your religion. It's like, it's so evident that it's wrong. It's so evident. Cause it's, it doesn't, it's like not, it's like the system is trying to tell you 
that you can't live for who you are. You can't be yourself. Yeah, yeah. And back to me understanding my cop friend's perspective is like understanding, just knowing like, oh, he's, he's definitely been brainwashed to an extent to believe that um, these are my allies and everyone else is a threat, sort of. Like, I, I use like, me and my other friend were talking about it, I use Iraq. Like, if you're a soldier, <coughs> you go into Iraq, you're in enemy territory, your allies are clear, they're American, they speak English or whatever. And everyone else, you know, civilians, whatever, could be a threat, especially in Iraq, where like, anyone, terrorists don't wear a uniform, really. It could be anybody. So back, you know, as a cop, and, and that's like the tough part about being a cop, as soon as you wear that uniform, it's like you're in enemy territory all the time. Like literally anybody could kill you at any point in time. And as a result, you know, you overcompensate for that fear with a feeling of, oh, I need to be an authority. Like you can't question my authority because as long as I have that authority, that's my safety. And that's why they get so upset when they're questioned or whatever, like, because they're the law, like, I'm the law. And because, like, people of color, people of minorities understand that so much, we almost put up with a lot of bullshit before we, we draw the line, like, a little too far. Like, the line should be way before, you know, George Floyd getting killed or, yeah, somebody way getting, before somebody getting shot unarmed. The line should be way before that. But because we understand it's systematic, blah blah blah, it's tough, blah blah blah. That's the line. Hey, just don't kill me. Just don't kill me. Um, already you've been arresting me like for no reason, arresting me for resisting arrest for for <laughs> for years, and that's fine. That's that's part of the game. I see what you're doing. Like, well, you you gonna pull that card? Okay. <laughs> it's just the card that. That you can pull. Yeah, here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you're re resisting arrest. Like, really? <laughs> Makes no sense. And they get so defensive when you question their morale. Yeah. We came up with, I was talking to my other friend about this after talking to my cop friend. Because I wanted, like, how can I help him understand why people think they're more bad cops than good cops? Or people are saying fuck police in general. And we came up with, Four classification classifications of a cop, right? There's there's the good cop, who is a good cop, you know, follows the law, like he actually cares about citizens and is for safety. He's a civil servant, good cop, like bravo. And then we love those cops. And then there's the racist cop who follows the rules. And then there's the racist cop who doesn't follow the rules. And then there's the power hungry cop. So the racist cop who follows the rules, you know, it's hard to classify whether or not he's, he belongs on the good cop thing. Like me and my friend were having an argument about that. Because the racist cop yeah. who follows the rules, he'll stop like a minority or a person of color for no reason. Like, oh, let me see what they're up to, for no reason. But once that cop notices that no crime is being committed without, and he won't, he won't violate your rights, he won't like search your car without a warrant, he won't like be extra. He'll just check you out. And once he notices there's no crime being committed, he'll leave. That's it. He, the racism made him stop you, but it's, he's following the rules because it's within his right to stop anybody if, if he thinks that you're a suspect. But he just happens to stop 
minorities from occasion because he's racist or whether he realizes it or not, right? And then there's the racist cop who doesn't follow the rules and that's the cop who will stop a person of color but will search their car illegally, will do whatever you know they need to be to you know, maybe arrest that person if he's convinced he's a criminal, regardless of evidence. He might plant his own evidence. That's the racist cop who doesn't follow the rules. So, and then the power-hungry cop, everybody can get the smoke. Don't question my authority. The fuck you say to me? Like, type shit. Anybody. <laughs> Dirty cop type thing. <laughs> anybody can get it. I'm a cop. Like, like, don't question me, all right? Do you know the law? Fuck you mean I know the law. What are you talking about? Like, I'll arrest you right now, like, and whatever. I feel like I only see those on TV. Yeah, and I think those are a majority of the cops that are being caught on camera in these protests. The, the power-hungry cop, like the one that'll just walk by and push a woman that's in his way, like weighs like 100 pounds, six feet, and then she, she's like hurt, he just keeps walking. That's like power-hungry. That's like what it brings out of it. I don't know if you saw the video of the guy, of the guy that's, um... I don't know if they're, they're singing or, or uh, no, reciting something. I don't know, but the guy's on the, sitting on the floor and he's like peacefully saying, you know, he's talking. He's talking to um, the cops of color and he's saying like, oh, like, you know, like we are like brother in arms, like this, we need to like stick together like it's so love from here and the guy was was telling to the all cops like oh you know i love you like i respect you i love you i love you and this cop comes out of nowhere pushes two cops from the front line aside and arrests him for no reason it's part of it's part of that brainwashing thing that 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 cop that did that like he was he was concerned. He he didn't arrest the person because, I mean, he may have not liked the person. Or whatever he he arrested that person to show, like yeah. those other cops that were listening to that that, don't get it twisted. It's us versus them. Like, don't get it twisted. Don't like, you know that's that's just really what it is. Like as a minority, if you like becoming a cop, becoming like some some of these job titles that you can achieve those are the only ways you can get some form of privilege like really speaking like as a, if once you wear that uniform you're not just black you're not just like dominican you're not just mexican whatever you are a cop you are a soldier of the country you you are law enforcement and now it's us as cops versus them, like your color is blue. Whatever your color was before it's blue, your flag is blue, you have a badge, and stuff yeah. like that. And some people buy into that because like, we're not used to privilege, so like when you, once you get it, once you get that power, it's like human nature just to be like, whoa, like I actually like this, like what? Like, yeah. Wanting to retain it. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, it's a dangerous game. Very dangerous. It's a dangerous game. Once you get a taste of, of like power and being trying, feeling like you're above others, mm -hmm. um, especially for people that are not used to being on top, mm -hmm. I feel like that's why a lot of these a lot of these cops are violent. 
yeah. you know yeah they probably it has there must be some sort of thing related um about their past and them wanting to be superior and achieving something and kind of play god in a sense yeah I feel like they hold justice in their hands. This famous prison test, social test, what that sort of proves this. It's like, the Stanford. Yeah, something like that. Experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So that that experiment, like for those who don't know, it's like they put a random group of people together, like maybe a group of 30, and they randomly selected people to be prisoners and people to be guards. And there weren't really any rules. They just left them in a fake setting, in a, in a fake prison for like weeks or a couple of days, I think. It was probably a couple of days, just to test to see what would happen. And what happened was the guards became power hungry and they became to basically fuck with the prisoners a lot like they 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 once they had that power over them as fake prison guards they like abused them i think they like didn't feed them at times um and it, it got so bad in such a short amount of time that they had to cancel the test they came in and stopped the whole test and uh, the whole time like after they interviewed the guards and the prisoners like why did you guys follow this it's fake like as the minority or as the people who didn't have power, they bought into the authority because it was part of the test. They were, they were in the setting that they all agreed to. So that was just their life. And they just let themselves get abused by the guards who had no right to be like, had no literal right. And the guards on there, they just had the power. And once they got a grip of that power, they just, their pride made them overcompensate which is crazy. It was actually a 1971 experiment. I thought it was much more recent than that. Me too, 71? Yeah. Kind of makes sense, because like, I guess sooner, like, because experiment, experiments like that were banned because it's human, inhumane and things like yeah. that. Yeah. It lasted <clears throat> from August 14th to August 20th, so six days, like a week. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just imagine, like, in a, in a span of a week, like, either you find, like, s somebody just turn into this vile, disgusting thing where, you're, like, you're letting the power get to you. And then... There's a movie about it, I think. All right, so... So, about my podcast, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I don't call them, like... Like, everybody calls, like, a podcast, like, an episode or, like, a volume or, like, a series... And because I wanted to be different, I was like, each episode I'm gonna call it a page. So it's gonna be like, it's like a book theme, sort of. And I'm, I'm, I guess, I don't know if I'm gonna do this, but like, I guess after a certain number of pages, it's gonna equal into a chapter. And that'll was, that was be like chapter one of like sicko podcast. But I was like, I need to justify this somehow. Cause like, we're not, this isn't a podcast about books. <laughs> like this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a book club. So, Book of life, bro. <laughs> the book of life, exactly. So coming up with it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have this little theme ongoing where at the end of the podcast, there's gonna be like a story sort of going through. Have you ever played that game where I say a sentence 
and then you uh, say another sentence, continue on the story? Yes. Right. So, so it's basically like that. Like every guest at the end of my podcast will continue on, will say a sentence to continue on a sentence that the previous uh, guest said. And it will just be like a, a whole thing throughout the podcast. And I guess sometime I'll like do a compilation of chapter one and just show like what, what, what was the story these guests said? Like, did it make sense? Like, what is this? Interesting. So, <laughs> so I said, a man walks into a bar and then David, <laughs> he said the most, out of all the things that was possible, he said something I didn't expect, which made it great. So I was like, a man walks into a bar and Dave was like, and then he wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wakes up. So, oh, that's good. Um, so that's a sentence that you have to follow up. So, so a man walks into a bar and then he wakes up and then you can say whatever you want. A man walks into a bar and then he wakes up? Yep. You can say whatever you want. Then he went to okay. sleep or then he went, he met a woman. I don't know, then he made some coffee, whatever the fuck he want. Mm. He walked behind the bar in his pajamas. <laughs> so a man w walked into a bar, then he wakes up, and he walked behind a bar in his pajamas. All right, that's <laughs> it. That's what we got. <laughs> Like, you know where, where he makes drinks. Yeah. I hope the next person says that he fell back to sleep and made I hope, I hope <laughs> There is a possibility that just, this just becomes a troll thing. Like, he just keeps waking up and going back to sleep and waking up. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that to happen, honestly. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun. <laughs> so before, this was so fun. Right. You know what Safe said to me? What? He goes, oh, he's starting a podcast? He has a perfect voice for that. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's funny, because like, usually everyone like hates their own voice. Like Sometimes when I hear my voice, I'm like, ah. But people always tell me, like, oh, you're so soft-spoken, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So spoke. It's so like, welcome to my podcast. I'm cool. I'm just chilling. Some people have, like, the perfect um just a great media voice. Like, it's it's funny how I never understood why it changed. Like back in like the 1950s or 1940s, they're like, they're like, and welcome to, today we'll be talking about, speaking on the news and coming up is the Ferry London. Blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and back to you, Tom. Yeah, Tom, Sherry and Barbara, like it's, it's more, it's different and when did that change? Was it like in, in fucking news journalist school? They're like, all right, this. <laughs> all right, we're changing it. We're changing the format. Nobody should do that voice anymore. Yeah. And smart like today in the news. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me officially end the podcast. Okay. <laughs> all right, this then of um, page two. Thank, appreciate you, Maria, for pulling up. It's always a dope conversation. Hope yes. to have you back again and again and again yes. and again. And that's all. Bye. Always chilling. I'll see you soon when this shit ends. Yes. <laughs>